Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Otter Fishing with me, Trevor Topfer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. Today, I've got a, a, a guest that I've really... Uh, we've been going backwards and forwards across social for the last week or so, uh, firing each other up. So I'm hoping this is going to be a, a, a really good conversation. Uh, and we're going to be getting deep into digital strategy, I think, or who knows, we could go anywhere. Uh, and that's the beauty of this podcast. So uh, before I bring on our guest today, I just want to remind everybody that if you are enjoying the content, please hit the subscribe button below. It sends a message to not only me and the people who pay for this thing, but also the guests that I have on the show and people that might be considering coming on in the future that you guys really value the content. So please hit subscribe. And without further ado, I'd like to bring on an award-winning digital marketing strategist and founder of Potent Marketing, Mr. Stu Lees. Welcome to the show. Stu, how are you, mate? Kia ora, how are you? I'm very good. I'm very good. Uh, where are you um, patching in from today, uh, Stu? I, I'm patching in from north of Auckland uh, in NZ um, in my little barn. So mm -hmm. I, I live on a little five-acre five-acre lifestyle property. Um, nice. And, uh, when when lockdown first started a couple of years ago, I I repositioned I repurposed a storeroom in the barn as the office which is now being renovated the stuff behind me looks fine but the stuff in front of me is all being renovated i'm expanding it to turn it into a bit of a so studio. you started with the background so you could virtually look like you're all on top of it but in front of you so it's totally if i oh my god like that wall's brown there's junk in front of me um but i'm insta perfect behind me like the books make me feel like make me look smarter than i Educated. really am you yeah. know yeah um yeah well, that's where I am in Auckland. Sunny, okay. windy, windy Auckland today. Awesome. Uh, and we're uh, here today to try and dive in and unpick and and, and, and open up like a surgical uh, procedure and, and, and really get stuck into the inner workings of your uh, strategic mind, Stu. Um, but before we dive into that and, and we start um, hopefully unveiling, you know, golden truths for our listeners... Um, tell me a little bit about who you are, where have you come from, and for those of you who are, are, are listening, uh, Stu and I have never actually met in person. This is the first conversation we've really had, which I love uh, meeting people for the first time on the podcast. It's such a fucking unusual way to uh, to get to know somebody while broadcasting it to the world. So tell me a little bit about who you are and where have you come from. Yeah, cool. Um, so I'm I'm a I don't know, forty-eight-year-old dad who works for himself and works for his, and so his, my my job has lots and lots of bosses because I have lots and lots of clients um, as my boss. Um, I'm a runner. Uh, several years ago, I got into running, and in typical stew fashion, give you some some mentality insight. Things got out of hand really rapidly. So within <laughs> six months of lacing on some shoes and deciding I was going to go for a jog. I ended up doing a half marathon and then going straight into ultra marathons. Of course. Um, and you? yeah, who wouldn't, right? And since then I've kind of had that bug um, for four years of of um, being a runner, being a trail runner. So I love the outdoors. A um, couple of kiddos. And, you know, I, I have this aspiration to be doing my job for two thirds of the time in a camper van somewhere around my beautiful country, around Aussie or something like that, mm -hmm. um, and to take advantage of the sticking plaster that COVID nineteen ripped off, um, to kind of really embrace 
this digital world of doing business and doing business well. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of who, right? who I am these days. And, you know, I, I call myself a marketing strategist, but basically I'm, I'm someone who coaches and trains mostly small business owners or small business teams, marketing teams, how to navigate marketing. Not necessarily how to do it, but how to navigate it. I'm, uh, help them draw the map that works best for between their thing, whatever they want to sell, and their customer. Mm-hmm. You know, and try and do it in a way that's sustainable and fun, too. Right, so that we don't just because I, I come from a background in uni. You know, the the most boring part of the of of the work world was was doing business plans and strategies, and then the most underused piece of paper that you'd ever create was the plan at the start of the year right so i i kind of made it my mission last couple of years to never be that the creator of that sort of garbage mm-hmm. so yeah so that's and how i got here you know i'm an it nerd right through and through like so how do you um, go from being an it nerd to get into marketing like that's a that's an unusual pathway talk me t- tell me a little bit about that through immense failure Right, <laughs> and, and it wasn't that I was terrible. At elimination. It, it wasn't that I was awful at, at my craft. It's that I plateaued, right? So, so in typical IT nude fashion, you you kind of start in large corporates. You get they pay for your training. It's great. Um, they kind of give you the disciplines and the know how to to somehow back yourself and say I can do this. And then I I joined someone who I ended up buying out and. And we had an IT company in 2004, IT services business. And that that grew organically until I had, you know, this annoying responsibility called staff. And so I was a small business owner, right? And, and I had like cash flow woes. And to be honest, I just wanted to do the nerd shit and make the clients happy. And so um, I burnt out. This is where the failure came. I just, I, I blew up. I was going to, I was trying to really grow the business because I was just at that crucial juncture between small and midsize, which can be super expensive. I don't know if a lot of people watching this, but you know, small businesses are great. Midsize businesses are great. In between is awful because mm-hmm. the cash flow never seems to be enough to maintain the growth and things. And so who do you hire and when do you hire them and all of yeah, that? Yeah, and you can never just you can never have the freedom to do what the things you want to do. Mm-hmm. It's always well, where are the next clients going to be to pay for this dude that you want to recruit who you've got to bring on board for three months before he's actually productive and he's costing you a hundred thousand dollars a year. There's so many challenging moments like that in that business. And so I was I was kind of doing that, managing a team which was about six or seven or eight staff, and then trying to grow. And I was kind of tapped out. I was I was in a business networking group in the morning. And then also I was moonlighting at another business networking group on Fridays. So I was kind of cheating on two networking groups to try and do more networking. I had like KPIs that I'd be, um, you know, making X sales phone calls a week and sending X, you know, Y sales emails a week. Um, and then I also like mapped out, I looked up all of the business networking events in my area and, and made it my mission to go to one a week. So I'd be going drinking wine with strangers and handing out business cards. And I was quite good at it. I will acknowledge I got quite good at that thing. But I burnt out. It's just, you know, that's like 80-hour-a-week stuff. And so, and I will will acknowledge I was not a believer in marketing because I'd failed. Oh, I've done SEO. My website's crap. It's no visitors. I've done 
there was no social media back then either. Mm. I'd done, I'd send e- people emails, no one opens the emails. MailChimp reports uh, telling me my marketing is crap. So I kind of didn't believe in it. But I, I came to a realization that I needed to do something. So I, I actually ended up, I don't know, kind of early midlife crisis. I decided that <laughs> I would step away from the business for two days a week and focus all of that time on learning how to do marketing properly. And so I went all in for my own little business on marketing. And just, I got really lucky. I, I just came across some people. Like I came across a little um, website company, like three guys who were in a incubator in the local university. Those three guys, I they ended up teaching me lots of, like, I bought a website off them. I said, oh, I'm going to back you guys. I'm going to buy a product off you, right? You sound like you're great. And because I was one of the early clients, they really nurtured my knowledge because I was hungry because I'd, I'd become a great case study for them. That business was zeal. They became the biggest website provider in the country. Right? They scaled out massively. I ended up investing in them and becoming, you know, one of their advisory board members. And um, so I got these three geniuses to teach me about website marketing, conversion marketing, SEO, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was pretty obsessed. I was. I was learning everything. I was reading every book. I remember my brother-in-law, he was just a boyfriend of my sister-in-law at the time. He was in an ad agency. And I like, we're going out for a beer and you know, teach me all about advertising, right? And you know, and we were talking about creative. And then he came and spent a, um, a morning with me. And I was just, he gave me all these books from like advertising greats like David Ogilvy and stuff like that. And I just mm-hmm. got, I got really into it. Like, I just really turned to the nerd stuff to different nerd stuff, right? Right. Kind of marketing nerd. Yeah. Um, and then I just practiced hard, right? I just do this thing, do this thing, do this thing. Experimented until it's until something wouldn't work, right? And then I would discard it and try something else. Um, the upshot to that very long story is uh, I quadrupled the business in six months. Right. I was like, holy crap, where are well, these Marketing phones? works. <laughs> <laughs> we went from like two phone calls a day to 12, right? Wow. And, then, and, then we, and then what, it became a game for me. I was like, oh, well, what happens if we put the pricing up? Oh, it doesn't change? Oh, and I learned about things like brand authority and, and that, that we could then demand better pricing and then our profitability would follow and then our profitability followed. We could do more marketing, right? <laughs> so... I remember doing, I remember in 2006 doing Google AdWords. I remember being up in the middle of the night outbidding competitors. At five cents a fucking click in 2006, mate. I had this, I had this poker game mentality, right? This was was hell. And I'm, I'm not sure if you can do it anymore, but this is how I did really well in Google AdWords. So I'd have like a $4.50 average click cost mm-hmm. for my ads, but I would convert pretty well on those clicks to customers. So it turned, you know, my average customer was like $400. So I had the numbers really well lined up. And then, and I had it optimized so that I'd always be one or two. I prefer to have second ranking because it was mm-hmm. cheaper. So that like nerded out in the, in the data and the numbers, had my, um, had my headlines nailed. And then a competitor would pop up and I'd be like, oh, right, I see you, right, Mr. Competitor. So I just, every night, I just crank up my um, my ad spend slightly. And and then the next day, they'd be above me, right? So I'd, I'd crank up my budgets because there wasn't auto budgeting back then. 
And then, then what I learned to do is I'm going, right, I'm just going to go all in. And I like I take my daily um, bid from 50 bucks to $500, right? And then I just imagined these competitors just trying to emulate it and just realizing that they're never going to outbid me. And then sure enough, by the end of the week, they'd be at the bottom because they gave up and mm-hmm. I just cranked everything down. And I didn't spend any more, but I kind of scared them. I just kind of manipulated the game. Nice. <laughs> and it was so much fun. Yeah. Right? And now AI does all of that for us, and you don't. Have I know, and it's not it's not fun it's anymore. Fun. The creative side's fun, but, mm-hmm. and and like lots more things have added. But I guess what I learned was the mechanics. No matter what the channel was, the mechanics were the same from AdWords to to when I started moving into social or even with email, you know. And, and then, <laughs> yeah, I guess what got me from from that point, I sold that business and then went and started doing some advisory stuff for other businesses and ran someone's retail software business for a while. But really, when it hit home, was <laughs> I started seeing lots and lots of marketing people appear online, banging on about their niche. Right, so Facebook ads people, oh, Facebook ads are the best, right? Then the SEO people, oh, no, SEO is amazing. And then the YouTube people are like, no, you've got to be on YouTube. If you're not on YouTube, you're a loser. And I I kind of got into marketing strategy because that offended me, offends me, right? Because there's this air of, in my industry, you almost to promote yourself, you have to say that the thing, the one little thing that you do is the best. And you have to do it with authority and you have to kind of do it like Gary Vee or you have to do it like some sort of giant global spokesperson. And for me, that's very not, that's like very un-Kiwi. And then I saw Kiwis emulating. I was like, right, now this is wrong. I'm going to, you know, I'm make it my mission to work with business owners and help them understand which channel to what's use. What's the mix, yeah. And what's what's going to work for them and to help them understand that it's okay to test things in small bites and then discard them if they don't work. Mm-hmm. But to have a testing me- mentality rather than a, I'm going to go all in with Facebook ads or I'm going to go all in with content. You still see it. like It's extraordinary how much you can spend, right? Yeah, and and it's interesting that you kind of picked that up early on. And I still see it today. Like I, I talk to a lot of people in the industry and, and, and you get this same mentality right like we're a we're an seo agency so it's all about seo or we're a social agency so it's all about social and uh it it feels like you know um you're right you get this bias strategy from whoever you you're talking to and the beautiful thing and also the most frustrating thing about marketing is the answer is always yes you know like (laughs) should i do a podcast yes you fucking should should i do social media ads yes you should should i be doing ppc yes you should so you know there's no real kind of blueprint otherwise where would be where would the fun be and where would where would us marketing geeks uh you know hang out if it was if it was all easy and 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 maybe that's where the ais are pushing us into this space where it's like you know you just tell them i've got shorts and i want to sell them to men and in this territory and then the ai will kind of do everything else for you and 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 put us all out of a job or, or maybe create a different job but i love the idea of going okay who are you who are you talking to and where are those people hanging out and going deep on understanding the customer? So I always talk about being customer-led. And it's a bit of a wanky term and everybody says, oh, we're customer-led. But to truly understand the psychology. So my background or my university, was I, I studied psychology. And so marketing was a natural fit for me because I didn't want to spend my days 
you know, listening to people's problems all day and, you know, slowly sliding down my own <laughs> psychological rabbit hole, <laughs> taking on all of these people's problems. Um, marketing made so much more sense because there's always a metric I can hide behind, right? Like if the customer says, oh, how are we going? Oh, you're going great. Look at this metric. It's, it's blowing up. There's <laughs> um, <laughs> so always this, this ability to hide behind bullshit metrics, um, which, but at the end of the day, if you're not driving uh, sales and, and, and you know, customers and, and, and results, then you're doing a whole lot of flexing and a whole lot of um, pointless stuff. So if, if you kind of manage to hack this sort of tactical system and, and was able to grow from a couple of calls a day to 12 a day, how does that translate into a, a 2022 environment for you? Like, where do you see those sorts of opportunities coming in when you're talking with small businesses and, and looking at where this, is, this game's now being played? Where are those tactical plays for you? It, it's so ironic because they're in the same places of success from back then. They're just different channels and different approaches to channel, right? So if I take back then, I was selling uh, computer service repairs in a small local area. So typical, you know, atypical small business. And so that was to a consumer market. I was also selling, you know, I was moonlighting B2B direct sales as well to businesses because they would pay you more. And I targeted, I, I, I started, you know, here, here's the targeting um, that I did. Every client that came in to pick up their computer, I'd have a yarn with, right? I wanted to get, and guess what? It was women. And I said, why did, you know, why did you get the computer fixed? You know, it's a, forgive me for assuming this, but it's a masculine domain, the computer. And she said, yeah, but the husband doesn't want to fix the computer, Stu. He wanted to try, he doesn't, he doesn't want to pay a man. He wants to do it himself. And I, and I was like, aha. Got it. So we realigned our marketing around that learning, which was that targeting, as you say, you know, the emotional side. Where our marketing didn't, you know, we we did AdWords, right? And we did it what what most people did. We emulated everyone else, and we got really average results, right? We emulated their ad copy. We emulated their headlines. We emulated their calls to action. We emulated their value statements. We emulated their landing pages. And the difference was we then took that average result and weren't satisfied and we optimized each little point along that journey, right? So we, we got day-to-day in-depth knowledge of who the customer was and why she was buying, mm-hmm. why she was even looking, right? And we were brutal about that, asking that question, you know, where did you hear about us? Did you Google us? Did you hear about us in an email? Did you get one of our flyers? We were really, we, we mapped all that out so we had the numbers, that data-oriented stuff, and I, I preach that now, right? If you don't have the numbers, what where are you making your decisions from? Mm-hmm. Um, and that means numbers all the way through to sales, not just your those beautiful vanity metrics that you know Trevor's hide behind. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we we mapped out the journey, right? Mm-hmm. Which to me is just not done enough and not done well enough. So well, they went from this ad here and they went to this landing page here. And what did that landing page say to them? And how many people at that page converted to a phone call or the thing we wanted, right? And and I had a really good business coach who was kind of saying that every step along your sales journey, you should be just tweaking that step to death. Mm-hmm. And I applied that to the digital channel. So, you know, he there was a couple of, um, there were two, three major changes to that one to that one cha- um, journey, right? 
the first one was experimenting by putting price in the ad, right? So where everyone else was just saying, we do IT services, call for free quote. I said one day, stuff it. Let's just put the price in the ad and in the, in the Google ad. Let's see if that increases conversion rate. And we've got 80, $89, right? Conversion rate doubled that day. Doubled, right? So it went from like 1.5% to 3%. Mm-hmm. So that doubled the number of people per dollar we were getting as customers. So we took that little tweak. We then went, what happened? We better put the price on the landing page that they come to. Sure enough, landing page conversion doubled, right? And we're like, oh, okay, cool. So we, we need a we need this congruity thing happening. Got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we took those learnings and we went, hmm, everyone else is saying professional. Everyone else is saying reliable. How do we take all the risk? And so we started saying guaranteed service. Got a little bit of an increase. And then I just, and this this was a hack, and I recommend this hack for anyone, right? (laughs) I was like, surely I'm not that unique. What are people doing in Google AdWords in New York? That's probably the hottest market in the world for anything. Why don't I VPN myself into New York and do some Google searching there. So the nerd bit came out, and I VPNed myself into a New York IP address and did yep. some Google searches. So and for those people who don't understand what Stu just said, that you can use a, a bit of software that tricks the internet into thinking that you are in a place that you're not. Um, so yep. we call it a VPN or a virtual private network. Uh, and those tools are pretty much, I think you can do it. It's, it's how your teenagers browsers. get Netflix from America. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or get the content that we can't get here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I look, I, I leveraged off a, a little bit of nerd knowledge mm-hmm. and got a unique bit of insight, which was market knowledge in the hotter in the most contested marketplace that I could imagine, right? Which is a good tactic to use, totally. And I saw a business saying a statement that I went, hmm, that rolls off the tongue pretty well. I'll add it to my ad, I'll add it to my and I'll add it to the landing page, and that quadrupled results. And those were the words no fix, no fee, right. And and then just business went apeshit. Did you spur <laughs> a whole legal um, niche there with the oh. no win no fee kind of thing? No, I'm, I'm well, here, here's the thing: if we couldn't fix it, it we refunded them. Right, right. We just we just did the numbers. We we said I'm, I'm going to advertise this for a set period, mm-hmm. and we're going to see how many we can't fix. And for the ones we can't fix, we'll we'll wrap a, a time limit around it, and we'll just say to them, look, we can't fix it. We're not charging you. Here's your computer back. Well, would you like a new one? Guess what? They wanted a new one, <laughs> right? But our our customer acquisition just skyrocketed. And I guess I'm, I'm using these examples to, to say that most people who are watching this or listening to this hopefully can understand that these principles can work in a Facebook ad. They can work in a Facebook post. They can work in a community group. Mm-hmm. They can work in your call to action in a webinar. And they can work... Right. These are just, these are just basic offer metric, you know, offer offer variations based on some, you know, kind of tried and trist, tried and tested um, copy mentality psychology. Going back to your point, psychology aspects of saying I'm a business owner, I'm going to take all the risk off you if you bring me your business. Right. That's where the, you know, the believable guarantee comes from, um, and. 
I'm going to take all the risk off you worrying about the price by putting the price in front of you up front, right? And I'm going to do that on a, and I'm going to do that all the way through the channel so that there's clarity, so that you don't miss it. So from the moment you discover me to the moment that you you then validate me to the moment that maybe we're talking in a webinar, my my conversation with you is going to be clear and consistent, so you get it and you understand it, and then you're gonna you know the way I imagine this happening. This happens at the other end, and I, I think you and I are probably similar to this. I love imagining what's going on in the head of other people. Totally. For for me, I'm looking at the like the barriers just peeling off mm-hmm. one by one as they go through a different layer of your marketing. And if they're not moving, I'm saying why why is there no peel? Why is there no unraveling of that fear? What have I not been clear enough? Have I not been loud enough? Am I being too loud? Have you know, have I distracted them by something? Have I not held their attention? You know, and, and that's what I love about kind of that process of unpacking marketing strategy is because it is very much like, you know, map, dot connecting or mapping um, someone's brain. Yeah, it's a it's it's this call to response thing is the way I kind of look at it, right? Like mm. I try and sit, sit as deeply as I possibly can inside my customer's head. And if I'm producing a piece of content or a web asset or a landing page or an email or whatever it is that I'm that that that, that I'm that I'm building, I'm trying to f- really understand. And if I don't understand, I try and find out by talking to people, which you raised before. You know, it's amazing how how many people don't pick up the fucking phone and call their customers <laughs> and say, "Hey, why did you buy my shit?" Um, and so. I really love this idea of getting deep into that and going, okay, where am I psychologically when I hit this piece of marketing collateral? What's my problem? What's the conversation need to look like? And the other piece of it that I'm really, really bullish on is don't you don't need to sell the whole journey in what every at every stage of the journey. You just need to sell the next stage of the journey, right? So ask yourself, what are you trying to do with this piece? Like what's the what's oh. the thing you're trying to do? And and, and you talk to talk to business owners or, or clients or depending on where you come from and they'll say oh i want to sell it well of course you want to sell it but what what's the next logical action in the buyer's journey like what are they going to do very few people are going to walk in and go oh that's what i need here's my money they need to go through some hoops they need to go through some questions they need to get some answers they need to process some data they need to go through the awareness consideration and decision kind of buyer's journey and understanding where you're at with that, that piece of marketing and what the next step that you need to do and just sell that. That's enough of a conversation to have with somebody any given part of that journey. Um, so uh, really that, that's really crucial, what you've just said there. And, you know, I've been in small business long enough, come across that concept that, you know, if only small business owners had to sit kind of a warrant of fitness or a driver's license to drive their bloody small businesses so that they knew what a bank account was, what cash flow was, payment terms, and really basic marketing. That's one of the things that I would really want them to do is to understand that marketing will never sell you the end game, right? If you're selling Teslas, your marketing is getting downloads of brochures and test drives. At mm-hmm. best, test mm-hmm. drives. And that journey is to go and get the test drive. But so many small business owners dive into marketing. You know, and I was one of them. Well, marketing doesn't work because I declared to the marketplace with this really you beaut, awesome as fuck brochure, which says, I do amazing service and I do amazing stuff and you should buy it. And here's the price. And I spent mm-hmm. hours and hours doing this brochure. No one, no one bought it. So therefore, marketing's a problem. Right? And 
or the other one, which I do, I deal with lots and lots of service providers. Um, I think it's my niche now. Um, is no one's taking my offer of a free four-minute phone call. Mm. You know, Stu, what's wrong with them? Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, well, maybe, maybe that's not of any value to them. That free. Or you haven't created the value in that four-minute call that makes it feel like I really need to have it, right? I sort of talk about the equivalent and, and, and so many businesses are, are just walking into a bar and going, who wants, who's up for it? You know, like this is, <laughs> oh. you've got to sit down, you've got to buy them a drink, you've got to get, make them feel comfortable that you're a trustworthy person and that you're not going to do, you know, and, and there's this process that you've got to go through to get to that end game. And, uh, you know, so I think what we're talking about here is understanding the buyer's journey and mapping it out, right? Like absolutely mapping every little touch point, every little uh, objection that they might have, you know, and looking at not only yours, but what are your competitors doing as well? And you, you, you raised something a little bit earlier that I really want to get into a bit more, and that's this concept of stealing ideas from people. So you were doing it by VPNing into the, the USA and seeing, or New York and seeing, well, what are the big guys in that game talking about? And maybe I should apply the same tactics. You know, I love going into Facebook ad library. It's one of my favorite little resources and, and, and very few people even know it exists, but you can actually go to someone's page yeah. and see the ads that they've run forever. Like Facebook keeps them forever. And you can go back and see what ads they've run, what messages they've done, how much engagement those ads got. Yeah. You don't need to reinvent the wheel. You just go and go, well, who are the biggest players in the game? These guys. Let's go and have a look at what they're saying. And how do we adapt it? How does that work in us? So, yeah. I, I, I love I that. Really, um, I, I love that. And this, I'll counter it, though, and challenge it a little bit, right? Because one, one of the things that I, I, I do a training program with some of my clients. It's a group training program. One, and there's a couple of things that I um, get in really early in terms of kind of philosophy. And one of them, going back to your early point, is, don't be the guy on, on Tinder who has DTF down on his profile, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Don't go straight for the DTF. You if you know what DTF is, look it up, right? Or, or ask one <laughs> That's one I don't need to dive into. Right? VPN was one that yeah. I felt that needed diving into, but DTF, I um, think most people understand. But that. then the next one was don't feel the need to necessarily emulate your competitors. They're probably just as shit as you are, right? Because I look at things on a macro and the customers go, what about this computer? They're great. I'm like, well... Actually, the offer's rubbish. You can do better than we can. You know, we we can lift above this because because you know if we unpack their offer, it's the same as everyone else. Their one just is prettier, right? And so I have a lot of clients who look at their competitors as, as prettier and therefore think they're more effective through better style design. Probably just probably and their, their confirmation bias is so blatantly yeah. obvious, right? It's like. I really care about this, and I'm assuming my customers care about it as much as I do. Well, no, you yeah, wake so, up every so day and do this the, every single so I day. So I do go down that model of looking, you know, help recommending clients or recommend that anyone looks at your competitors' ads, find the best ones, and absolutely emulate them. Another thing to do, and go back to your other point, Trevor, which is getting into the head of your customer. What other services and products are they buying? And which of those brands are doing the best? Right, so if you if you've got a customer that buys, if you've got a feminine customer who's in her forties and fifties, what cars she driving, and which brand is doing best there, and how are they promoting their services? What's their positioning? What's their offering? What's their what's their viewpoint on their role in her future aspirations of her life as she travels through this planet and this life? Where do they fit? 
And if you know, how could you complement that if you sell handbags? How mm-hmm. could you complement that if you sell beauty services, right? Um, and what hooks do they use to capture her attention? Because uh, you'll probably find that the same hooks that someone uses, you know, it's not about the it's car, BMW, it's about yes. the lifestyle hook. Mm-hmm. It's, it's about the, the frustration. I think it's about identity. I think we the, all, yeah. what underpins all of this, I think, is what do I identify with, right? Like, I'm a Mac guy. I don't really care about computers. You know, I don't really care about hardware. I'm not massively into the intricacies of, you know, Snapdragon versus you know, M1 chips and all of these sorts of conversations that people around me are having. But I love Apple. I think it's a great brand. I identify with it. I feel like it sort of more represents who I am than a Dell computer, for example, and not picking on any particular Mm, brand. mm. But I buy Apple products and I've got shit tons of them. I've got the phone and the earbuds and all of it. I buy them because I identify with the brand. I identify with the way in which that brand portrays itself and it's nothing to do with whether or not they've got the best camera or whether or not they've got more memory or whether they've got a closed operating system or anything else it's purely because you know i identify with that brand and i feel like if i need this particular thing then i might as well get the thing that i identify with mostly and and, and i feel like uh brands miss that and you know you, you look at a lot of uh marketing and product placement and, and 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 market fit and all these sorts of things and everybody scratches their head and goes well why are people prepared to buy a 500 pair of shoes like when my pair of shoes is made from the same leather and the same quality mine are only 89 bucks well it's not because yours are cheaper it's not because they care about prices because they identify with that brand and so they don't care about the fact that it's 500 bucks they want to wear those shoes because that's who they identify as and so this is again going back into that psychology but of it. And, and let, let's break fun. down the mechanics of that, though, mm-hmm. if, if we can, because I think you get that, I get that. I think there's there's a miss some missing linkages there that particularly my audience, small sure. audience, like business owners, don't get mm-hmm. educated on, right? Because they don't read the books, they don't go to the courses, they don't do the uni, whatever. Mm-hmm. You identify with the brand and the association, and that's really your ego, and that's it's tied into your ego and how you want to view yourself in the world in a future sense, right? So it's not about the past. It's all about the future, Mm -hmm. right? So it's an aspirational type of thing. We all close our eyes and imagine ourselves a little bit better than today, right? And if we're buying, if I'm buying running shoes, then that person's faster and running over finish lines with people waving and cheering, right? If I'm playing basketball, like I used to do, and I used to spend a whole lot of money on Air Jordans, right? As a, as a teenager, Mm -hmm. It's that I'm running and doing crazy moves and jumping. But Jordans are scientifically higher. proven to make you jump higher than any other running shoe. It's it's science. It's not. No, no I'm joking. But yeah, I take your. <laughs> yeah, and, and, so, your and, and then what we're doing is our, our we're we're developing a bias, and then the mechanics of our brains then wants to then use the features of the technology to back up the actual spend, right? So what most people in small, medium-sized business don't understand, that's the emotional first, and then the features come second because most, totally. of, most people will lead with features, mm-hmm. forget about the emotional side of it. And and a real, my favourite example in this is, do you remember when GoPro was launched? Mm, yes. GoPro, GoPro was launched with a probably 90-second, two-minute, um, high-quality video slot on YouTube. Right, 
and the GoPro was shown in about one second of it. Right, the, the actual product, and none of the features were shown. The word HD wasn't included. Rah, 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 rah. It wasn't even a great camera when it was released. It was a shitty camera. It was waterproof. And, 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 that was about the only not, thing it had going for it. It's still not a great but, camera. But what they did marvellously, so the video was full of men, because that was men was their target audience, doing heroic shit, like mm -hmm. kayaking down things, totally. jumping out of aeroplanes. Mm -hmm. there, the the, there was the, the bikini shot. There was all of these things that, Really what they did is they summed up the, the future heroic internal mind of middle-aged men who've got more money than sense. Mm -hmm. Right? And they said, and they said, this is the key to unlock that. And they approached the market just around when Instagram was taking off. And people's brains were connecting the dots that not only can I record this, I can then broadcast it. And and the strap line was be a hero, right? It wasn't buy a camera. Even the name of the camera now is like a hit. You were buying like into heroism, yeah. right? You were buying into a core masculine archetypal thing. And then when you were then going to spend the money and put in your credit card, you would then justify to your wife that it had HT, it had 720, it had all of these sorts of things. So it was way better than the other shitty camera that you've got on your phone. And it was waterproof. And you could use it for the kids' shots. And so all of those features were really useful. But ultimately, you were buying heroism. And I, I was, it was beautiful. It was a fantastic launch, which made it a billion-dollar business within two years mm -hmm. for a matchbox-sized camera, which, as you said, was... Not even a great camera. Not a great camera. It's still not a great camera. Um, I, I, I didn't buy one because of that. I bought one when I started a content agency. So I used to run a little content creation agency uh -huh. uh, when I first moved over to New Zealand. And I bought a GoPro because it was, uh, you know, it was a easy package it was transportable i could chuck it in my bag i yeah. could set it up reasonably well but the quality of the content my mobile phone produced better quality you know we would we, we would end up using a mobile phone a gopro and maybe you know a dslr if we had access to one and more more times more often than not it was the cell phone that produced the, the quality so yeah a, a great example of how marketing attached to the psychology of the identity uh of their buyer trumps megapixels and you know all of you know trump's features like you say you know people leave with features and say my product's better than the competitions because i do x y and z but the competition's not talking about x y and z the competition's talking about how i feel as a person when i use that product and that's and that's far more appealing to me and makes far more sense and i care much more about that than i care about you know who's got 20 more megapixels than the other person or whatever that metric might be right so the other um the other part of it uh, which we we haven't really got into, and 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 you know I've just noticed we're fucking already forty minutes into this, so it feels like we've only just started. Um, is this idea of you know you were talking a lot about testing and measuring, and I think that's something that is so important now. Uh, we're kind of in this world, and I think a lot of SMBs are running around and just buying the off-the-shelf marketing stuff, right? They're buying the Facebook ads or they're boosting posts or they're buying the Google AdWords, you know, and it's add your keywords, add your, you know, and click all the way through. They set it up, they click go on it, and then they hope for the best or they boost a post on social and they hope for the best. Mm -hmm. um, the way the game is being won now is, is, is in data. It's understanding, you know, and responding to data. So I'd love for you to talk to me a little bit about how you how you see the role of data and how you go about what are the what are the kind of key things that you um use what are the tools maybe that you use that might be able to help some of our listeners try and understand how to do this bit better you know my most successful tool 
and this is going to shock a lot of marketers. Wait for it. Do we need a drum is roll? It, we don't have any spread, special effects on this podcast. There's a spreadsheet. Right? A spreadsheet. I've got a spreadsheet, which is kind of, I call it the marketing metric spreadsheet, right? And at the, at the top of it, it's all of your channel marketing. So your Facebook ads and your, it's, it's all about the size of your audience, right? And size does matter when it comes to audience, right? Oh, I hear that. Because algorithms are chopping away the effectiveness of that size, even if it's email, right? Mm -hmm. Algorithms are getting, you know, promotions tab algorithms are getting in the way of your bloody emails now too, right? Mm -hmm. And it's also, also happening on text messaging now. I don't know if you've noticed that. So, um, so I break, again, I just narrow things really dumb down for my mid-sized clients. Yes, we have Google Analytics and Microsoft Clarity and all sorts of measuring tools that feed into this information. But often you can get really overwhelmed with the data and that overwhelm with the data means that you just neglect it. You, it doesn't, it's, if you're overwhelmed by something, your brain stops being able to see it as necessary or important. It's too complicated and I want simple because I'm already bombarded with information throughout the day. And we live, sorry to bring it up, but we live in a post-apocalyptic, right, pandemic world where there, we have very little control over what's happening tomorrow, next week, the week after. So we're living in this flux. We're in a tough place for our brains to process, right? So for me, simplicity is really important around data. And... What I tend to do is say, you know, at a, at a really high level, let's list out your audiences. How many people have got on Instagram? How many people on YouTube? How many people on Facebook? Or whatever. Or, mm -hmm. And based on those, what sort of engagement are you getting? How many people are actually paying attention? What percentage of people, based on the content that you're putting on each of these channels, is paying attention? That's basic shit, right? Then the next one is your actionable Right, what are you wanting them to do? So you were saying earlier that it's not about selling the thing. Sales is irrelevant at this point. Mm -hmm. You want what is my next action? And so for me, again, for most businesses, there's too many actions you're asking. The call, there's 14 different bloody calls to action to all these different things. And I'm like, well, for the next two months, why don't we just get them all to download this one awesome PDF? Or why don't we get them all to come to this one amazing webinar or even recorded webinar that you did two months ago that we repurposed now as a training course? Let's just get them all into that because then we could measure the we could measure that one thing. And so you have so I, I brutally measure the next actionable steps, one or two, right? So they might be on landing pages or they might be on a third-party tool. But again, you just measure it monthly or weekly at most. How many people since we started doing this thing? have changed their behavior because of what we've been doing in marketing. And then from that one thing, is there an email remarketing or is there an email or is there a remarketing sequence in Facebook or is there an email sequence? And, you know, and what does that look like? So again, we just get an admin person or the managing director to once a month. And often I'll do monthly coaching sessions. And the client will be like, oh, I didn't fill out the spreadsheet. I'm like, right, well, we're going on there now. Mm -hmm. Right. And they'll groan. But within six minutes, we'll have a picture of what's going on. And that's a really valuable six minutes because you're like, well, look, here's, a, here's the outcomes of you not doing all that content that you said you were going to do. Here's the outcomes of that ad, like you, of you reducing the ad spend. And because we've got six months of this history, we know that the sale, when this number changed, which is the people converting to the download or whatever, 
invariably sales went down, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I had a client in Aussie, um, fitness coach, hundreds of thousands of people on Instagram, um, tens of thousands of email addresses, really, really amazing content game, just like incredible, like the, the perfect client for that. But the sales weren't amazing. And just with that basic mentality of going, well, your sales aren't amazing, not because of the website or not because of that, because this part of the journey isn't happening. So let's map out what we're wanting to get out of this part of the journey, which was one website landing page, not a complete new website, like one website landing page we just needed to build. And we spent two months really meticulously building a journey into that. The landing page was like, you just scroll all day on this landing page, right? And the, you never get to the bottom and there's 15 calls to action. But we, we really put a lot of attention into it because he also had a lot of social proof. And then um, and so we took that landing page and we did a blind test of it with existing traffic. And all of a sudden, conversion rate went up because we were measuring it. The spreadsheet said, oh, look, we're getting sales. That w- this has worked. Great. So we did a couple of tweaks and then... He then went all out on social, right? In terms of every day in his story, he would talk about this program that we're launching, this program that we're launching, competitions, super early bird deals. The dude got, in month one, 70 grand of recurring revenue, right? But only because he knew what area through a, a dumbass spreadsheet mm-hmm. <laughs> that to focus on, right? And so, um, yeah, not the most sophisticated data-oriented marketing but most people i encounter are the marketing's all over the place and so you've got to start really simple and then get more elegant and more technical with your data later yeah i um i love that it's uh it's just finding the metrics that move the needle is 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 what i look at right and i know i made a flippant joke before about hiding behind metrics but um you know that's that's what most agencies that i've worked at do anyway um but no, for me, it's, it's, you know, getting it down to the simplest terms, right? So I look yes. at, for Otterfish, for example, I look at traffic, traffic to sign up, sign up to paid subscriber, paid subscriber to referral. So I've got this kind of funnel that I want every single person to go through. And then I can see what activity at each level of that journey am I doing? And what, are the, what, are, what is that data telling me? So I ignore everything else. I don't care about click-through rates or cost per clicks or all of those other wonderful metrics. I care about if I, for every 100 people that land on my website, irrespective of where they come from, how many of them end up going all the way through this journey and where do those attrition rates drop off the most? And that just directs me, okay, that's where you, you know, your journey's broken or needs attention. And the, it's, you know, at the top of all of that, you're trying to get attention as cheaply and as easily as possible. Digital makes that really, really simple, right? Like here's a podcast that I can repurpose and use this to create content to drive attention to a landing page. There's social media, there's paid, there's organic, there's this earned, owned and, and, and um, paid kind of strategies that we, we all talk about and love. But the bottom line for me in my particular business right now is how many people, every hundred people that hit the website, because they can't do anything until they hit their website. There's no other way in. So that's my entry point. Yeah. Uh, so everything above that is is up for negotiation. But once they hit there, I've got a bit of control over it. And so if I can maximize the 100 people that come onto the website 
through that process and make that as frictionless and as easy and understand the psychology that my people are going through as they make their way through that steps, understanding the value, getting all of that right, well, then I can start to then play around in this in this oh, yeah. lead gen traffic kind of space where I look for wherever the latest thing is. And, you know, at the moment it seems to be TikTok and, you know, next month it'll be something else and next year there'll be some other platform that everybody will be excited about. And that comes back to that original conversation where all of this started, which is, the core principles never change, right? I think I'm a, I'm a big believer in Byron Sharp and he's a Kiwi, which is weird. Uh, but Byron Sharp sort of talks about, you know, it, it's, it's really as easy as this. Tell as many people as possible and make it as easy as possible for them to buy. And if you get that right, that's kind of marketing, right? Um, yeah. How we do all of those things changes all the time. But that's what you need to do. Tell as many people as possible and make it as easy as possible for them mm. to buy. And it's that second part that I think is, is what I'm talking about. How do I get them from the website, which is where they've got to go to buy? That's my store. How do I get them to, how do I make it as easy as possible once they get there to go through all of those to, to buy my thing? And I, I really feel like a lot of people don't understand and don't go deep enough on that. It's, um, it's really hard though. Right, I, mm -hmm. I totally, I'm totally with you, and I think it's it's a common challenge, uh, and I think the hardest part is discipline, because to truly understand those things, consistency, yeah, takes taking little pieces of that website, making subtle changes, and waiting for the results to shift, waiting for the dial to move, mm -hmm. right? And we all want to look at it, and go, oh, I'm going to add this, and then there's a shiny thing that I want to add to this, and I add right, and then as soon as we do that, the science goes because we have no control, right? The whole concept of we're going to start with a control group and then we're going to make adjustments right and you make those adjustments in a haphazard way your data becomes just completely random yeah. and it's, it's game over so what it's a real it? it's a real challenge mate right and um, i think you know it's, it's it's really important point that you just made there is is some patience we live in a world now where i can get instant feedback i launch an ad or i'd make a post or i do something uh, and i get immediate data and and you know how many conversations you have like oh we, we changed that yesterday and I haven't had a single fucking sale it's like are you serious you're a hundred thousand dollar ticket item mate you know <laughs> it's it's not going to happen instantly you've got to give the thing time and i i, I feel like uh, there's there's way too much kind of focus on the the instant sort of gratification or the instant response. It's like, oh, we changed the color of the image from blue to green, but we didn't see any uptake. So obviously blue was better. Well, hang on a second. <laughs> how many people saw the blue versus how many people have seen the green? Oh, well, 100,000 people saw the blue and only five people have seen the green. So you're going to make a decision on that, right? So uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, there's a couple of things in that. One is... Uh, really understand the journey and understand the psychology of people as they're moving through that journey and, and where they're at and talk to them about that and don't try and go straight from, hi, I'm Trevor, let's go to my house. Uh, it's got to be, hi, I'm Trevor, do you mind if I sit down and talk to you? You know, like earn the right to have a conversation and then we go through each stage of that and it's yeah. testing. Should I say, do you mind if I sit down with you or should I say, can I buy you a drink? which is going to work for. So I, half of the people I talk to, I might say, do you mind if I sit down next to you? And the other half, I'll say, do you want to buy you a drink? And I'll figure out which one seems to have a better response, right? So this Absolutely. idea of testing and measuring uh, and th that final um, uh, part of it for me that, that you've really, really nailed um, today is take your time and keep it simple. Like don't, 
try and get too worked up because there's so many options, right? And, and, and people get overwhelmed. And that's, I think, the first thing most businesses do when they, especially in digital marketing, right? It's so many fucking ways you can do this. There's a million ways. And you talk to an SEO agency and they're going to say SEO and all of that stuff that we've already talked about. So calm down, relax, take it slow and keep it kind of simple. That, 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 those are the things that I've heard from you today. Yeah, mate, 100%. And I think the, the very last thing that I'd say is if in doubt, seek clarity. Mm-hmm. for your customer so when you said you know make it easy that really hit home right make it clear what you want them to do crystal clear if you want them after that drink to come home and have you know sit by the fire and gaze at your goldfish then tell them explicitly mm-hmm. what you want to do what you want them to do don't leave it for them to come to go across and find some sort of join now but only mm-hmm. if you're blah 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 $2,000 price budget person button, just tell them, you know, seek clarity of what that next step mm-hmm. is in, in, in that customer journey. And what you'll probably find is if it's, you know, clarity, this is, I learned this 10 years ago, this phrase, clarity trumps persuasion, four out of, you know, four Time. times more. Right, persuasion, the colors, mm-hmm. the, the shape of the button, the, the background picture versus very, yeah. very clear words, right? Be them verbal words or video words or, or, or copy text um, is the thing to fall back on when you're not sure about which which thing mm-hmm. to, to work on yeah, at nice. that stage. All right. Well, uh, look, yeah. I can see Joelle and our producers uh, jumping up and down and saying we're running out of time. And I know you've got to go and pick up your kids from school. Um, I don't have to today. It's not my day, which is awesome. So, uh, so I'm, I'm all good, but look, thank you so much for taking some time out of your, your day for us, Stu, and sharing some of your, uh, your advice. Um, if people want to get in touch with you, if they want to know a little bit more about the, uh, the, the Stu Lee's, uh, potent marketing approach, where can they find you? Where's the best place for them to get in touch? Super easy. Um, so there's no .com or .co.nz or anything like that. It's My website is potent.marketing. Yep. So find me there. Email me. Join one of my groups or something. I don't know. Download <laughs> Just my visit the website and I'll get to know you pretty well. Go through my journey. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Stu. And I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thank you. And thanks, everybody, for listening. See you next time. Cheers, Trevor. Cheers. Mm-hmm.